Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Within the Lines would not be possible without Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and has been how we have made our podcast for over two years now. Anchor has everything we could need to make a podcast. And if you were thinking about starting your own podcast, you definitely should take advantage of their resources. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. We have fancy mics. You don't need a fancy mic to use Anchor. When hosting on Anchor, you can even distribute your podcast to listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Wherever you want to listen to your podcast, Anchor does that work for you. You think me and Tyler are smart enough to figure this stuff out by ourselves? Absolutely not. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And of course, the best part, because me and Tyler are cheapies, Anchor is totally free. Anchor's been great for us. It's been what we have been using. Um, We highly, highly recommend it. And if you were thinking about making a podcast yourself, we encourage you to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Let's get back to the pod. All righty. Welcome to episode two of Within the Lines, Friday, January 25th. Today, we have our first interview, first big guest for you. We have Ross Stripling, Los Angeles Dodgers starter slash reliever slash whatever they want him to do. <laughs> Tyler, how do you think that interview went? It was fun. It was real good. We had an all-star on, guy played in the World Series, talked to him a little bit, talked to him about stuff, you know, not baseball, but it was a good time. Yeah, definitely, you know. It's always a good interview when they start laughing in the interview. Yeah, so definitely. My heart was definitely pounding. We did have some difficulties with the phones. There might be some some cuts and stuff. If you guys hear it, uh, it's a trial run. No, there won't be any. Every cut is a good cut. All so, right. uh, yeah, <laughs> let's get into the episode. I don't feel so good. Welcome to the first episode of Within the Lines post-Tyler's depressing Sunday football loss. Tyler, as you may or may not know, is a New Orleans Saints fan. He came into the NFC Championship with only a 6 out of 10 on the worry scale, and his team was thoroughly beaten, no controversy at all. You know, not like the Minneapolis Miracle where it was a last-second touchdown, a thorough beating with no questions left on the table. Tyler, how do you feel? Did you see Cody Allen signing? I, I did, I did. Yeah. Right after we recorded the last episode. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was cool. Uh, looking forward to baseball season. Yeah, so how about them Saints, man? What's Jesus going on? Jesus fucking Christ, that pissed me off, Jason. <laughs> I was watching that game. You can ask our friend Brandon or my girlfriend. I was fucking throwing my hat at the door. I texted you like halfway into the fucking third quarter, like we're going to fucking lose this. And I said they weren't. I, yeah. I had money on the Rams, by the way. Yeah. And you got gifted fucking money. Well, I didn't win because the Chiefs blew That's the right. parlay, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, no controversy. You know, did you see anything that you think might warrant some controversy, Ty? You know, at least if I would have saw something, I would have called it. Oh. <laughs> so, obviously, you know, the biggest moment of the game was the non-call pass interference. Saints would have got granted a first down or the receiver would have caught it and got a touchdown if, you know, he didn't hit him. And would have been able to chew the clock, presumably make the field goal. We can't assume that, but 99% would have made the field goal and would have won, would have advanced the Super Bowl. Instead, got away with the call, kick a field goal, give Jared Goff and the Rams about a minute 45, drive down the field, tie the game, go into OT, Drew Brees throws an interception, and Greg Zerloin, 58, 59-yard field goal to seal the deal. Yep. So what about that blown call, Ty? I know you have some uh, choice words well, for my article I wrote I do. About so it. you wrote an article saying basically that the Rams deserve to win. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> In the simplest terms, no. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't. Why do you feel the Rams should have won, Jason? Let's start with that. It's not that I think the Rams should have won. I just don't like the idea that this win is tainted in any way. Because, yes, there was a blown call, and, yes, Saints fans have every reason to, but the Saints were winning that game 13-0, to zero, and they blew that lead. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the stats, you know, Jared Goff kind of outplayed Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you really want to get technical with missed calls, there was that face mask call on Jared Goff that was not called. The previous drive would have been first and goal. If we're presuming the Saints are going to kick that field goal, I think it's safe to say the Rams would score on first and goal at the half yard line, the one yard line. And then that, that pass interference call never happens because the saints have a different mindset. They're not trying to chew the clock. They're trying to score because they're down by four, you know? So I think missed calls happen all the time. And I just think since this one was so blatant that it's viewed as like the worst call ever when really, you know, you look at the chargers and it's a bigger moment. It's a, you know, definitely understand that, but there was a missed call to drive before that would have changed the game too that wasn't called and maybe if the saints won that game maybe that's the call we're all looking at so that call wasn't as blatant though because you've seen a bunch of stuff on twitter where it's you know oh well what about these calls there was multiple calls throughout the game where they didn't call it for the exactly saints. drew Brees had one to the face uh you know hands to the face there was are you helmet- talking about the sack the interception sack hands? no there's oh, one before okay. that there's a helmet to helmet that took our tight end out of the game they didn't call so you can't just choose one and say this that the one you can is the one that literally is having NFL analysts and everyone saying is the worst call in the history oh, of the yeah. NFL. The call itself was terrible. The but The one that should have been called 100% and would have won the Saints the game. But the face mask would have also won the Rams the game. Exactly, but it was not a as blown blatant. Call is a blown call. No, it's not, though. That's the thing. There's in that situation, where, it is. There's calls where there's, you know, let them play. And then there's calls where that's not letting them play. That's keeping them from winning a game. That face mask was obvious. Even the announcers of the game. I don't, was it Joe Buck? Fox? Even yeah. they brought up the face mask. It wasn't like a, oh, frame by frame there was a face mask. It was a call that in the moment I was like, what the hell? They didn't call that face mask. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, was, it, was, <laughs> it should have been called. But like I said, there's been, there was multiple times throughout that game where 
there was calls that you know could have happened and the refs didn't there was only one that was blatantly obvious and you know yes they out you know you can say the stats show they outplayed him and everything you make that obvious call that every single person saw i didn't see anything liar the saints win that game and that's all there is that blind piano player didn't see it I can't no, I guarantee right he now. saw it. Ray Charles. <laughs> no, it's not. I don't <laughs> think it's Ray I think Charles. Ray Charles is a piano player. Dude, if it's not Ray Charles, whoever's listening is going to laugh. There. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I think Ray Charles was also a blind piano player. We need a stats department. We're really I think there's been two blind funding. piano players. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Either way, you guys lost in terrible we fashion. We lost. And, you know, there's this bullshit like, oh, a rematch. There, there's no point doing that because then it's a tainted win if the Saints do come away with it. All that bullshit. Yep. It happened. You got to move past it. But in the moment, absolute bullshit. And I, I, I'm sorry. It is a tainted win. Yeah. Because even, you know, the cornerback, mm-hmm. Robbie Coleman, was his name? No, right? yeah. He admitted that he, he, admitted would, he got said, beat on the ball. Yeah. He said, I thought it was a touchdown. So I hit him early. <laughs> now, you know, okay. And it should have been called. Going back to, you know, another heartbreaking loss for the Saints. The many, you know, uh, Minnesota Miracle. Mm-hmm. The reason that happened is because our player got there too early and said, oh, shit, I'm going to get pass interference, ducked down to try and avoid Diggs, and then Diggs caught the ball and it's, scored. Dude, it just came full circle. Next year, you guys just need to commit pass interference because... <laughs> no, and then we're going to get called the for year it. before, some bullshit. You didn't commit pass interference, and it cost you a touchdown. And the next year, you got the pass interference called on you, and it didn't lead to a touchdown. And, yeah, I mean... What, what they would need you to do? They need to do Bounty Gate 2.0 next year and just go out for some motherfuckers. Well, I mean, they should have called it and it should have been a first down. But what if he doesn't do that and the guy catches it and it's a touchdown? The game's not over at that point. It very well could have been the same it result. It could have, but they only had one timeout at that time. It would have been within two minutes and they would have had to drive down and get a touchdown. Yeah. So it's way less likely. But I know there's been issues like, you know, the calling as far as, well, Sean Payton could have ran out the clock and everything. Oh, yeah, that first down throw was just absolutely mind-boggling. I don't know what he was thinking. It was a bad idea, but, you know, they were sending, like, eight guys to the fucking quarterback that play. So I kind of see you have Drew Brees throwing to the number one, you know, catch percentage wide receiver in the league at Mike Thomas on a high percentage route. Yeah. I'm saying I can kind of see where nine times out of ten, 90 times, you know, 99 times out of 100, Mike Thomas makes that catch. It was a bad throw and shit happens, but I kind of see it. Would have liked to see him run it there more. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, at that point, I don't remember how much time was left, but if you guys get a first down based on the timeouts, you know, you guys could have still kicked a field goal, gotten that first down, but still had to be held to a field goal, and the Rams could have time. I don't know. And then at that point, if you guys get down to the three, they might have just let you score on the first play. Yeah, they would have been down by seven, but then they would have had more time. That's why in that instance, I don't understand why he called pass there. Yeah, I agree. I don't. Th- I don't it think it's as bad of a strange. call as everyone's saying it is. Going Drew Brees and Mike Thomas on a slant route. Come on now. Yeah, but, but... with the time management and everything, I would like to see him run it. But it is what it is. We yeah, and then on. on the other side, we have you know the the Patriots defeating the Chiefs. If you listened last week, uh, we'll you know you know that I had the four team parlay, and it came so close to winning, and then D Ford was offsides, and the interception didn't happen, and I didn't win my seven hundred eighty two dollars. So I don't really want to talk about that game. We both had a very very bad loss that day. We have to see the <laughs> Patriots in the Super Bowl yet again. 
Yay. I mean, the Rams are fun. I mean, there's a cool dynamic. You know, everyone's going to be talking about the storylines. You know, the Rams kind of kick-started the Patriots dynasty. Are they going to serve as the bookend for the Patriots dynasty? Or Plus, are the Patriots going to serve as the start of the Rams dynasty? That too. And then there's the Belichick, McVay. McVay is by far like the most you know, idolized head coach in the league right now as far as people trying. Anyone who's worked with him yeah. is getting a head coaching job. Well, Belichick too. He set that precedent. Exactly. And then there's Belichick, who's been doing it for years, being the smartest man to coach a team in the NFL. So there's a nice little head coach thing going on there, maybe passing the torch if uh, the Rams win. Yeah, but if the Rams win, you know, I don't know if Belichick hangs it up. So, yeah, we'll see, though. That'll be fun. I mean, who are you rooting for in that game? You got the team that beat you guys, and then you got the Patriots who everyone hates besides Patriot fans. Yeah, I couldn't care less. You said you couldn't care (laughs) less about Patriots Chiefs last week. I could not care less. I hate Br- Brady for making Breeze look bad while he's fucking one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. No one cares. <laughs> and fuck the Rams. So, I mean, it's not the Rams. It's the referee's fault. It's not the Rams' fault. Fuck the Rams. <laughs> all right. So uh, going into our first segment of the week, you know, banking off the conference games, we got the ED Elite Disappointment Players of the Week. Um, I'll start us off. I'm going to go going back to Saints Rams, Todd Gurley. Had a woeful game, just didn't do much. We saw the C.J. Anderson, you know, storyline continue towards the end of the game. C.J. Anderson, the guy they signed in December, was the one that they kept turning to. You know, let's look up the stats here. Gurley had. I know he had at least two drops, one of which led to the early interception for the Saints. Yeah, well, I was getting to that. He only had four carries that game for 10 yards. He had the touchdown (laughs) run. Four carries for 10 yards. That's insane. You have the best running back in football by a long stretch. I mean, not a long stretch, but... Very much the best. The best running back in football. And he had to have been banged up. He had to have been something. He had that drop in the beginning of the game that led to an interception. Should have led to a Saints touchdown, but the Saints just kicked a field hey, goal. We're talking about Gurley. And uh, and then had a big drop later in the game on, what, third down? I think down? it was third down, yeah. Would have turned up field. You know, the way Gurley makes people miss, he could have made turned that into a touchdown. You know, he was there in scoring position they definitely could have you know it's not unconceivable to think he turns that into a touchdown and he just didn't play good and like I said it's got to be he's hurt or maybe it's a Markel Fultz thing maybe he's got the yips he's got the playoff <laughs> yips all of a sudden Something. they kept cutting to the camera angle um, where he's like working out on like the the fan bike thing or yeah he's doing stuff on the sidelines it's like why is he there not on the field it's so bewildering though because last week he dominated 115 yards 16 carries like Caught both of his targets. Granted, they were only for three yards, but it's just so strange, you know? Needless to say, he looked a little soft that game, Jay. <laughs> he definitely looked <laughs> soft that game. He just couldn't uh, perform. Who was your uh, ED player of the week, Ty? Well, mine is, uh, I wouldn't say a player. He wears a jersey, striped one. Okay. Motherfucking Terry Brown. Terry Brown. Can you enlighten us who Terry Brown no is, No one knows Tyler? who Terry Brown is. And that's probably a good thing. Why? Because he's the motherfucker who didn't call pass interference when it was so fucking obvious. Hey, watch your mouth. We curse here, but we're not totally R-rated. Look, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. This is an R-rated situation for me, okay? <laughs> I was depressed for a good three hours after this game, and it was this man's fault. Oh, God. What? Do you think Terry Brown will have a job next year? I sure as shit hope not. I mean, they fired NFL referees earlier in the year for blowing calls. They fired him after the Pittsburgh... Los Angeles game for the blown false start call. I mean, for how fast, you know, because there's the interview of Sean Payton after the game where he said he called the NFL officiating or whatever, and they said they blew the call. Oh, yeah. For how fast that happened, something has to happen to this man. I, 
it, it's just it's not all his fault though because the head crew, the head ref any one of them could have thrown the flag yeah they could have but he was right there he was the one who very much saw everything had the best angle on it and should have called it but I don't um, want to beat this storyline to the bush but I kind of I definitely agree that it was a penalty and they definitely could have or not could have they definitely should have thrown the penalty flag there but I can kind of sympathize with the moment you know because at the it was bang bang you know hold on hold on it was bang bang referees you know they're watching the whole game it was a penalty don't get me wrong but in that moment where you see the guy hit him right you know and if you watch it full speed the ball was kind of coming down and it's like the NFL has been so you know they've been criticized so much for all the the non-penalties that have been called penalties you know so these referees kind of already have a guard up so they see a hit like that it's it was a clean hit i mean it was it was pass interference but it wasn't like helmet to helmet or anything no a bunch of people it was he lowered the head with it too yeah but it wasn't like <laughs> that's not blatantly. what they would have called it for though no yeah and i since that and then since it was bang bang and just in the moment maybe no one wanted to no one wanted to be the guy to be that guy you know what i mean and now they're all that guy <laughs> I, I don't know if it was bang bang like you're saying. I do understand, you know, they've been over criticized for it, but come on. <laughs> be that guy. It's not only a championship game for the teams, but you're in charge of that game too. That game is now known because of you as like the no call. Yeah. So it's a big stage for, you know, them to do their job just as much as the teams on the field. Be that guy. Yeah, but if they would have called the face mask the drive before, then it would have never happened. <laughs> Whatever. That's the call we should be outraged about. <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> because with that face mask call, this would have never happened. Maybe you guys would have just won outright. No controversy at all. All right, Tyler. Absolute garbage. Since you're in such a great mood, uh, we're going to head into trivia time with Tyler. Um, then we got some Oscars talk. We're going to head into our interview. Then we got a little stuff after the interview. And then that's it for this week. So trivia time with Tyler. Black Panther was the first superhero movie ever to be nominated for Best P- Picture in the Oscars, which we'll get to later. As you know, with the Oscars, there's another award ceremony. I don't know if you're familiar. The Razzies. Okay. You know what the Razzies are, Ty? That's the worst picture. Yeah. For those who do not know, it's the mockery of the Oscars. Everything's bad. You know, worst picture, worst actor, worst actress, this, that, this. Little side note, do you know Melissa McCarthy got nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar for her two different movies? Yeah. Sandra Bullock did that uh, a few years ago. I think she won both. (laughs) She won like best actress for the blind side and worst actress for something else. I think. Yeah. It was happy time murders. And then something else she got. I saw that movie. It was terrible. That's what she got nominated for the Razzie. Oh, it was bad. But go ahead. Let's get, let's get some trivia. So we're going to do the Razzies. So in the history of the Razzies, there have been four superhero movies. Okay. There are, I was going to do comic book movies, but then you had things like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, Son of the Mask. Those things are all have comic roots, and I didn't feel like looking through every single movie to see if there was some sort of comic root. So we're kind of going with like superheroes. One of them's kind of iffy, but like superhero superheroes. You know, I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they kind of are heroes, but you don't think of them like, you kind of think of them yeah. in their own different thing. Yeah. So four movies, Ty. Um, I don't know. I should give you some hints on these. I'm going to need something to go off <laughs> I can give you years. I can give you studios. Um I can tell you that two of them have been in the last three years. Well, technically four years because we're in 2019. Two of them have been. And they're both... One is a DC movie, the more recent one, and one is a Marvel movie. And then the two older ones, one is in the 90s, that is a DC movie, and then the one in the 80s is a Marvel movie. So we have two and two. All right. I'm going to go with... How about this? How about this? 
I will give you not the lead actor, but I will give you a side actor for each movie as a hint. Okay. Maybe not the top five billing. Maybe not, you know. Someone somewhat notable. You would know their names, but you might not know. Okay. The one that wasn't, I don't want to give you the year. The most recent one. Lawrence Fishburne was in it. Do you know who Lawrence Fishburne is, Ty? Yeah, he's the, he was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Um, that was the most recent one? Yes. I was going to guess Justice League. Okay. But that made a lot of money, and I don't remember if he was in that or not. Do you remember any other superhero movies he was in? Um, I don't know if we're counting The Matrix as a superhero movie. No, we're not counting The Matrix. <laughs> recent. Uh, 2016. 2016. I want you to get this. I don't want you to fail like last week. Can I get what studio? Warner Brothers. This is DC. Yeah, DC. Come on, Ty. Worst I, picture. I don't know what movie he was in. The movie greatly... Don't focus on Lawrence Fishburne. Think, focus on the movie. Greatly disappointed. Huge expectations and just fell flat. So it would be... The DC movies that are coming to mind. Batman, Superman... Okay. And Justice League. Okay. Justice League obviously came after Batman versus Superman. So it's got to be Batman Superman. Yes. Batman Superman. Which I thought was a better movie than Justice League, but. Was nominated. I don't think it won. I should have looked that up. Let me see. Got to get a research department. I know. We definitely need a uh, research department. It was definitely nominated. I know one, for, one of these for sure won the award. Let's see. It did not win the award ty was nominated the winner for worst picture that year was hillary's america the secret history of the democratic party we don't do politics here so we're just going to pretend like that didn't happen yep uh and then <laughs> there was one the previous year it was a marvel movie previous year marvel movie 2015 uh, let's give you an actor from that movie this is bad radio i hate making empty space let's see miles teller oh he was a lead role oh well miles teller <laughs> the lead role in a superhero movie yeah i didn't even know he was in this i didn't even know this guy was in this either oh fantastic four he was yes. by far the lead actor he was mr fantastic yeah i the fantastic four i didn't see that movie because <laughs> it it won the award it 100 percent deserved that movie was atrocious it also won with another movie could you guess just off the top of your head what it won the it it was like co-winners that year oh just no, off the top I of your head. Have no fucking 50 shades of gray it co-won with 50 shades of gray the other one, 1997. It was a DC movie. That one's going to be Batman and Robin with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Very good, Tyler. Everyone hates them. I loved that movie growing up, and my dad never knew why. Now that I watch it when I'm older, I'm like, why the fuck did I watch this? Very good, Ty. So you've got I mean, that one you got right away. You got Fantastic Four pretty good. That was good, Ty. Let's see. There's another one. The, the other one is definitely a curveball. 1986. Oh. Uh, I don't know any of these actors. Um, I I don't know any of these actors. I can't. No, I can't like tell you. That was twelve years before I was born. I'm not gonna know them either. <laughs> okay, he played a small cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. I believe he was in an end credit scene. It, he hasn't been in the okay. MCU, but he he was like teased at the end credit of the MCU. Oh, um, uh, what the fuck is his name? Howard the Duck? Yes, Howard the <laughs> Duck. Was it the 1986 Razzie? I actually seen a little bit of that. It was really bad. 
19 it was 1986 but the the event was held in 1987 yeah it co-won with the movie under the cherry moon which i've never heard of i don't think it's coincidence i've never heard of the other movies that yeah one <laughs> howard the duck i didn't even know they made a movie about howard the yep. duck it was really bad it was like a dude he looked like he was in like a like a sports team mascot outfit walking around and had like a movable mouth <laughs> well, dude it was 1986 what do you expect yeah it was bad apparently there was like an awkward sex scene where it was like a duck in a condom or something oh god it was really weird <laughs> Oh, God. It doesn't surprise me that it got that uh, that award there. Yeah, and all that, you know, inspired by Black Panther being nominated for Best Picture. Um, any Black Panther fans, you're not going to like what we're going to have to say, <laughs> but how was Black Panther nominated for Best Picture, Tyler? I don't know. I thought it was a really good movie, and I think the thing that's carrying it is the cultural impact of it. Absolutely. You Huge know, it was, cultural impact. Yeah, you can't it, deny you that. Can't, it made a a huge amount of money had a giant cultural impact being you know a lead black superhero which i think is great i think it was great i think the movie was good yeah i don't think it was best picture it wasn't even the best marvel movie of the year no i 100 percent believe infinity war was a better movie than black panther absolutely and i mean maybe that's part of the award criteria is the kind of impact it has on the culture and you know if that is kind of the criteria then fair play it's not gonna win i no there's no way I heavily doubt, but, and maybe it was just kind of like, oh, let's nominate it just as like a cultural impact, throw it in there, give it first, you know, you know, give it that luxury. Yeah. But like the, like you said, the movie itself, it was a good superhero. It was great because I love superhero movies. You know what I mean? Any superhero movie is going to be at least good in my book. Actually, no, but, (laughs) but best picture, I didn't walk out of that movie thinking, wow, I just saw a finalist for best picture in 2018. I mean, I walked out of that movie like, wow. It was really good, you know. Killmonger was good, and I think that was the best thing. I thought Killmonger was good, but I mean, they're the final scene. It had awful CGI with the rhinos. Oh stuff. yeah, it had a very basic superhero storyline. Oh, y- y- we talked about it on the episode zero. You know, fails and then overcomes it, and yeah. yeah. I mean, it you know fit all the bills and everything. I think it was the cultural impact of it. I do think there was a lot more moments with the villain that we saw with Killmonger, and kind of you know. People really liked him in this movie. Yeah. And he had a great story and he had a great reason for what he was doing, but it was a superhero movie, very basic superhero movie. And if that movie gets it, how does The Dark Knight not get it? You know? Exactly. That movie was amazing and it didn't get a Best Picture nod. Yeah, it was. I mean, people have said that's not even, that's not just the, their favorite superhero movie ever, that's their favorite movie ever. Exactly. And I know it's a lot, a lot of these award winning movies aren't really movies that audiences really love. But which is what makes it so strange because this is one that the audiences love, but you would think critics, you know, if you look at it from a pure movie standpoint, just from start to finish, not anything outside of it, you know, it's not, it's good. I don't want to take that away from it, but yeah. I mean, if it was the superhero Oscars, I would definitely nominate it for best super. I mean, there's only like three a year. Yeah. You know, I'd probably rank it in my top six of Marvel movies, but like I said, it's not even the best Marvel movie of the year. Yeah. And I mean, there, there was, there was holes in the movie. I mean, there's the part where Killmonger shows up and he fights the Black Panther, right? And, you know, he's got all your powers are stripped away from you when you're fighting this man. Yeah. He throws him off a cliff and he survives because he lands <laughs> in the snow. At that point, he's a regular person. Yeah. I know there's Captain America in that. He was a superhuman. That's why he got frozen in the yeah. snow. And like, that. okay, whatever. There's some other stuff going on there. That was a giant hole in logic. <laughs> yeah. It, and then we also had, I didn't know this. This is We didn't talk about this beforehand. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was nominated for Best Animated Feature Film. I think that should have been in place of Black Panther for best overall film. Uh, 
I think that was a better movie. It than was Black a better Panther. movie, but I still wouldn't put it in Best Picture. All I'm saying, as far as between those two, I think it was better than Black Panther. Yeah. And if anything, it should have taken the place of it. It might win. I don't know. Isle of Dogs was really heavily regarded. I tried watching it. I didn't like it. You know, Incredibles, Pixar wins everything. Ralph I, breaks I, the internet. I think Spider-Man deserves to beat Disney on this. And then Mirai. I don't even know what that is. Sorry to any Mirai fans or if I'm pronouncing it <laughs> wrong. But Spider-Man in, in, Into the Spider-Verse was definitely good and definitely deserving of the nominee. So, But Black Panther, I don't know. I can't really wrap my head around that one. Yeah. I, I liked the movie. It was good. Not best picture good, though. Alrighty, so uh, you want to get into the interview, Ty? Yeah, I'm, I thought it was really fun. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we had a good time talking to him and just kind of chatting. Yeah, I mean, we were nervous. He laughed at us. He's probably listening to this now like, why are they nervous? I'm just a normal <laughs> guy. But, I mean, I've talked to pro athletes before, but first podcast host or guest, you know, you kind of you don't know what to expect. But it was good. Yeah, I had a good time. He didn't um, give us the basic media answers. He gave us genuine conversation and it wasn't just sports we talked to him about a couple of different funny little things and whatnot so oh yeah good time hope you guys enjoy it today we have ross stripling pitcher for the los angeles dodgers on today ross thank you for joining us hey guys thanks for having me so uh you told us that you were having dinner at your in-laws how was dinner <laughs> yeah dinner was great <laughs> awesome they're awesome. always uh they're always great hosts man her mom can really cook Awesome, awesome. So uh, a running joke we have going on here is one of us is like a traditional journalist, me, who you've talked to. I just ruined the running joke. We were going to have you at guess who the running, <laughs> who the journalist was and wasn't. My buddy Tyler, he's along for the ride. You know, he's very knowledgeable baseball-wise. So if he asks any dumb questions, don't, you know, don't be scared to call him out on it, all right? <laughs> I'm doing the best yeah, no I can worries, here. Yeah, man. For sure, for sure. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so the first thing I wanted to ask you, you know, you know, a lot of non-Dodger fans might know you for your player weekend nickname, Chicken Strip. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people ask you where that came from. I wanted to ask you, what are your top three favorite chicken strip places? Yeah, man. Hit me with the hard hitters right off the bat. Huh? <laughs> um, you know, that's a good question. Believe it or not, I was never a huge, like, chicken tender guy. Really? And kind of with the nickname, I had to had to start eating them. And my wife's a huge chicken chicken tender lover. So, uh, you know, I've, I've definitely ventured out and uh, tried more and more. You know, I, I think uh, the first one that comes to my head is Chick-fil-A. We eat Chick-fil-A all the time. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, man. Second is probably for your West Coast boys. You may not know this. Uh, Whataburger. Oh. Whataburger has some pretty good chicken strips. Never had it, um, but definitely have heard of it. Yeah, man. You got to give it a go. It's it's our version of In-N-Out, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really good. But then, um, man, after that, I would probably say, I guess, Raising Cane's. That was kind of, oh, ate some of that in college. No. There's a bunch of those around uh, College Station, Texas A&M, where I went to school. So uh, the, those are the three that come to mind right off the bat, I guess. I like it. Raising Cane's is my personal favorite. My co-host, Tyler, he thinks Raising Cane's is like the most overrated chicken strip place in the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think it's the sauce, man. Whatever that sauce is, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not a big fan, but I... You make more money than I am. You're a pro baseball player. I'd try it more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get in there. Um, going back to baseball a little bit, the uh, the Dodgers this season, you know, they made a big trade. You know, sent some fan favorites away to the Reds. Um, what's your guys' initial reaction to something like that? And is it kind of hard to like settle down during the off season with like speculation and rumors going around? Sure. You know, that's a good question. I, I think you know the first thing that I thought of when I saw the trade was just like, wow. You know, I, I 
almost can't believe that they did it just from the names, you know, that you see going, going away, which are, you know, Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig, two of the basically faces of the franchise. Yeah, definitely fan favorites. And then, yeah, you know, big time fan favorites. And then on the other end, I lost uh, my roommates, which are Kyle Farmer and Alex Wood and two of my best friends. Uh, their wives are some of my wife's best friends, you know, so I think of just like um, two really buddies that I'm going to lose out of the locker room you know, between Kyle and Alex. So, um, you know, it's going to be very surprised. Obviously, you know, I think that we've come to trust just everything that Andrew does and everything has a reason behind it. And, and, um, understand that that's kind of the business side of the game. And, um, you know, you never know who can get moved and no one's safe kind of thing. And then, um, as far as me personally, man, you just, you, you can't really think about it. You know, I'll get tagged and stuff on Instagram or Twitter, uh, pirates for cervelli and and etc you know but um it's just kind of business as usual around here you know it your off season is is about getting yourself ready to play baseball and and uh, obviously you expect it to be for the dodgers but if it's not you'll show up ready to go for you know whoever it is and and i'm kind of always the impression that you know i don't want to be traded i love it in la but if you do get traded it means someone wants you so it means someone's excited to have you on their squad so you just kind of got to look at it um you know, as, as, as a good thing, no matter what, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any, uh, front runners for your new roommates? Do you got anyone circled? Well, you know, believe it or not, um, luckily Kyle and Alex were traded to another team, obviously the Reds that are in Arizona oh, for yeah, spring yeah. training. So we at least got to stay together for spring training. And then, uh, once the season rolls around, I think, uh, it looks like it'll be me and my wife going solo. Oh, which, okay. which is obviously still great. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> well, that's, that's nice. a good question when she listens <laughs> to this. Or good answer. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so about the Dodgers, you know, obviously Dodger fans have loved you since day one. You had that no-hitter, you know, in your MLB debut. I still remember watching that game with my dad. My dad's one of those people who argue with the manager no matter what decision they make, and he was just livid that game. Uh, I've yeah. always wondered, though. What's more nerve-wracking, pitching a no-hitter in the eighth inning of your MLB debut or pitching in the eighth inning of the World Series? Oh, man. That's a good question. You know, they're they're just so different. Um, the I guess my first answer would be the debut, just because the game started at 7. I'd never done it before. You have just all day to think about what's about to happen and what, and what you're going to do and, and – and just the nerves. I mean, I remember in San Francisco, I woke up like eight in the morning. I went to breakfast with my family and like all this stuff that to try and like calm my nerves and man, it just doesn't help at all, you know? Yeah. And, and that is just, I mean, butterflies in your stomach for hours and hours. I think for the world series, you know, at that, by that time I'd already had, you know, close to two years under my belt. I kind of yeah. knew that I could at least get, some big leaguers out <laughs> you know <laughs> uh before your debut you're like gosh do i even belong here you know so it's um that feeling of just not knowing whether you're good enough to get guys out in the big leagues uh you know it takes a while to kind of get over some guys obviously have it and, and they're just confident in their stuff from day one but some guys yeah. grind and they finally get there and they just don't know so i i think a debut is about as nerve-wracking of anything um, wow. you know, but dang, man, uh, pitching in a world series is, is a whole different animal and pretty intimidating in itself. But, yeah. um, you know, luckily I've had a chance to do both and then, and pretty lucky to have both experiences. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, 
just another thing going back, you know, you had the no hitter in your debut. Another thing Dodger fans will probably remember you from is when you got to uh, pinch run at first base back in 2017 against the Pirates. <laughs> uh, we've got yeah. some fun situations here for you. Um, you know, we're going to ask you some questions. Let's see. Do you think you could beat these people? So the first okay. one, Usain Bolt, but he can only run with oh one leg. Oh, my God. Come on. <laughs> one leg of Usain Bolt. One leg of Usain. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, he... He only runs straight typically, so maybe around the bases I might be able to get to like second Ooh, base by the okay. time he touches home. <laughs> I like the strategy um, the inside I'm, the bags there. I'm definitely not going to bet on myself on that one. <laughs> All right, the second one, we got a big sexy Bartolo Colon, but once he gets to okay, second there base, you go. That's... once he gets to second base though, he gets a golf cart. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, uh, you know what? I'd like to think that I'd have a good enough lead by then that I could still, <laughs> just still pull it off. But uh, man, you never know. That that big man can move. He was a athlete back in his day and still moves pretty well. I don't uh, I don't necessarily want to cut him cut him short, but I, I'd still take myself in that one. <laughs> All right, uh, Tommy Lasorda, fifty years ago. Oh gosh, man, I'd be scared to beat him because I think if I beat him, he'd he'd take a swing at me so competitive. <laughs> I might just let him win um you know he that's just the way he is man he's like a little bulldog he just gets so angry if he loses anything um <laughs> have to sandbag you know, a little uh, bit on him there <laughs> yeah I might just yeah I have to have to just let him win just by a tick but you know I, I I'd like to think and I actually could beat him but I'd be too scared to actually try and beat him <laughs> <laughs> all right the final one is uh the freeze down in Atlanta guy who races the fans oh yeah no, man, that's a blast. I love it when they do that. Uh, I think he'd whoop me. I mean, gosh, I, I, there's nothing better than watching a, a frat guy and his fairies go out there and he gets like a 50-yard lead and he thinks he's going to win and all of a sudden the freeze runs by him. That's uh, <laughs> that's something we look forward to going to Atlanta every time. So that, that's uh, I think he'd whoop me. Okay, so two for two. That's not too bad. <laughs> well, two yeah, out of four. Five, five hundred. Five hundred. 500. Yeah. So, you know, from pinch running to, you know, no hitters, you've been kind of a Swiss Army knife your whole career coming out of the pen, starting, you know, sometimes for seven, eight innings, sometimes for four innings. How different is the preparation from being a starting pitcher to a reliever? Yeah, you know, I get asked that all the time, man. Um, They are way different. You know, I think that I kind of knew that if, if and when I made it to the big leagues, you know, I was probably going to do a little bit of both and that's where my value was going to be. So I kind of prepared myself for that. Others don't necessarily do that, you know? So I think that, uh, that was one thing that kind of made me ready for it, but man, they're totally different. You know, if I think of back to my senior year of high school, I'm a starting pitcher and all the way through college and all the way through the minor leagues, you know, I basically had one routine that was getting ready to be a starting pitcher to go 100, 110 pitches, you know, yeah. six, seven, eight innings, whatever it took. You know, that that routine got very, like, cemented in my ways, and, and I knew exactly what I wanted to do to get myself ready for a start. And then all of a sudden I found myself in the bullpen, and, man, it was, it was shock and awe trying to figure out, you know, can I lift that morning and pitch that night? Can I, you know, go out and run um, – 10 poles and still have my energy to pitch that night kind of stuff that uh it's just trial and error of trying to figure out and then what's crazy is i finally found a routine that i loved in the bullpen where i was getting ready to pitch every night and felt good about it and all of a sudden i'm back to starting (laughs) gotta gotta find my routine from you know two years prior so um man you know i think it it um 
it, it depends on your personality a little bit, you know, yeah. and your just kind of ability to adapt. But, you know, luckily I think that I've, I've, you know, come to terms with that's what gives me value. That's what Andrew Friedman loves, you know, guys like TK, et cetera, that can yeah. um, play in multiple positions that can get guys out and, um, you know, multiple different scenarios can go five innings or can get you an out in eighth inning against a righty. So that's just, I've accepted it and um, I actually enjoy it and obviously would probably rather be a starter, but uh, any day in the big leagues is a good day. And any, uh, any time you're a Dodger man getting 90 to a hundred wins a year, I mean, I'm not complaining. Oh yeah. When you're in the bullpen, do you focus more on just like your off speed, your breaking balls, you know, do you focus on just pounding that opposed to like when you're a starter, you're more working on your whole arsenal. Is there like kind of that in there? Or? Yeah, there, there's definitely some of that, you know, I think that's a good kind of, simple version of of a little bit what it is i think you know bullpen yeah bullpen you come out and man you got to have your best pitch from pitch one yeah and it has to be ready to go so when you're getting hot you know let's say man all of a sudden the starters he's cruising and all of a sudden there's two guys on and two outs and you got to get hot like in a hurry you know, you're not up there, you know, getting your curveball right and then throwing a couple changeups, getting that right, and then maybe mixing a few sliders, getting that ready. Like, it's whoever's hitting, what is his weakness? I'm going to work on that. I'm going to throw a couple fastballs. I'm going to be ready to go in the game. I mean, it is just as quick as that, you yeah. know. So it's what is my best pitch that day or what is the best pitch against this specific hitter, and that thing has to be ready to go. As a starter, it is much more um, the chess match, you know. I know these guys' holes. I know how I have to set them up. If there's a guy on first base, I need to go to what gets a ground ball. Yeah. Uh, where's the best punch-out spot? All this stuff that, um, like I said, you start playing the chess match against the hitter. I got him out this way in the first inning. Now it's the fourth inning with the man on second. Do I go back to that, or do I try and get him out a new way? You know, So that's they're, they're just different. When uh, a reliever, you're going at him with your strength from pitch one. A starter, you're kind of – picking and choosing um you know what you want to do based on the scenario and, and knowing that you got to you know basically survive six seven anything and uh you know keep it short for your bullpen yeah all right um so going back to the bullpen thing uh i think yesterday from when we were recording this mariano rivera was the first ever unanimous choice in the hall of fame he obviously had one pitch and it was the most dominant pitch ever in baseball um can you see anyone today who plays currently having a shot at being a unanimous choice in the hall of fame well, man, I mean, Mike Trout comes to mind. Ooh, that's what I, I like saw to hear. <laughs> I saw a thing about Mike Trout uh, the other day. It was like through, I don't know if it was through a certain amount of games or through his age, like 27 season or, what you know, whatever it was. It was like him versus like Bond and some of the other, you know, obviously greatest hitters that ever played. And his stats were at least equal, if not better, in basically every category. Oh, yeah. And, um you know, and that's, obviously he's just incredible and very special. I don't. I actually don't know if I've gotten him out yet in my major league career. So, oh, I'll have uh, to fact check that uh, for he's you. Definitely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> fact check that one. But actually, don't tell me. I don't want to know. Um, <laughs> so then, you know, he's the one that comes to my mind. I, I think Kershaw. You know, I, I, he has to be in the mix. I mean, oh, he's yeah, just definitely. done unbelievable things. Been the greatest pitcher of a generation. You know, so those those are the two to give you a pitcher and a hitter that. Uh, you know, if I was a if I had a vote, I certainly don't know how I wouldn't go to them. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Mike Trout. Let's see. Oh yeah, he's faced you five at bats. He's got five hits, two home runs, and a walk. 
No, man. I, I asked you not to tell me, man. I'm going to be asleep tonight because he's going to haunt my dream. <laughs> is he the hardest out you've ever faced, or is there another guy where you're kind of like, oh, shit? <laughs> well, Trout, Trout's really hard. The other one that comes to my mind is Javi Baez. Um, once again, don't tell me the stats. I don't want to know. But he he's such a free swinger, and I throw so many of my pitches around the plate. And on Javi Baez, you really have to expand. I mean, he'll swing at something at his neck. He'll swing at something in other batter's box. Is that and Vladdy I just Guerrero? Always throw something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so I always throw stuff around the plate. So he always is able to put the barrel on the ball with everything that I throw. I mean, I just cannot expand enough with him. And uh, so two very different at bats because Javi will swing at everything, and Trout will only swing at very particular things but at the end of the day they both just hammer balls to the wall off me so <laughs> neither, one, neither that, one's ever very fun is there any guy that when you see him come into the plate you kind of smirk and you're like oh i got this guy you know i got his number oh man uh plead the fifth on that one because it's just <laughs> the, the second i say anybody's name that'll just switch you Give know a little bit of fuel um, there to hit against you um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want him to listen in on this and be like that guy. I, you know, so I, I'll, I'll plead the fifth on that one and just say, uh, um, you know, no, maybe maybe a couple pitchers. You know, I feel like I got uh, <laughs> a couple couple guys maybe in the division uh, that I've gotten that John Gray. Yeah, I can get John Gray out. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Uh, going a little yeah. off a little off topic, a little off course here. Uh, my girlfriend's gonna kill me if I don't a- ask this. We always laugh because I don't remember what year it was, but you hit Giancarlo Stanton, and it looked like he was going to charge you. Uh, yeah. Were you scared at all of Giancarlo coming down at you? That's <laughs> a big man. <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean, if you if you go watch it on YouTube, I'm pretty sure I put my head down and just start walking to the dugout, <laughs> trying, trying to get out of there as fast as I can. Um, I mean, you know, he, he is obviously one of the larger human beings to ever take a baseball. And... Um, you know, I think that it actually went behind him. It didn't hit him. I think if it hit him, he might have actually come at me. And, and <laughs> Lord knows what I would have done if that would have happened. I might have just started running around in the infield waiting because Chase Utley was out there in a hurry. So I, I, I trust that Chase would have had my back and maybe kept him from smashing my head in. But for the backup to come <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wasn't. I certainly wasn't like. You know, I wasn't scared that I was just going to get my you know just butt absolutely whooped on national television or whatever but i was <laughs> i was just scared that i just you know really pissed off the biggest man in baseball and not a guy you don't want to or that a guy that you don't want on you know not on your side that's that's not uh that's not good for anybody <laughs> yeah definitely um kind of <laughs> switch it off of baseball a little bit you debuted about three years ago now um what was the first thing you bought for yourself as like a spoil yourself type thing with your uh, big league paycheck oh man no, not something for the family or anything, something just for you. Yeah. Dang, man. Good question. Let me think. As I, as I look around my bedroom trying to find something. <laughs> um, I guess I bought an iPad. And as an iPad count, that's, that's yeah, that not works. like a super yeah. big purchase. <laughs> yeah. I don't have one, so. <laughs> yeah, I need to, I well, need to come up I'll, with something, I'll switch man. this up for you here, then. What was the first car you ever had growing up, and what's the car you drive now? So I had a, I guess an 06 Dodge Charger was my first car. And it was oh, great, man. That's not bad it. at all. Not I bad. drove it. <laughs> yeah, awesome car. I drove it drove it all through college. Uh, I mean, it was a stock one. It didn't have the Hemi and all the power, but it was still a, just a great car. 
And then now um, we only have one car between me and my wife, and I, we drive a uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee, and we love it. It's, it's a great car, too. There you go. Yeah, my so first nothing car too was fancy. A I wish I could tell you. I wish <laughs> I could nice. tell you I uh, drive a Ferrari or something like that, but uh, that's not me. <laughs> yeah uh one thing i wanted to ask you i worked a lot with the uh, rancho cucamonga quakes last year and uh one thing that shocked me was how similar the clubhouse was to like the high school clubhouse i guess you always have this like idea in your head that it's going to be like a more professional setting it's not really the guys being guys anymore it's time to do work does the big league clubhouse is it still the guys being guys when the doors are closed and the cameras are away or is it the more professional time to go to work setting no, man, I think that's exactly what we are. You know, we're just big kids playing a game, you know, for a living. And, um, you know, I think that stays with us. Obviously, you know, 30 minutes until first pitch, guys start turning it on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, getting ready and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's when it gets serious. But if you're talking, you know, from when we get there through BP, through, you know, eating some lunch before, um, you know, between BP and the game, all that stuff. I mean, we're just joking around, passing time. Um, you know, some guys watch video, but you can't watch video all day, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, man, we're, we're all best buds, and we see each other so much that, uh, you know, we become best friends. And, you know, when you're that close, I mean, obviously you're going to uh, have a lot of fun together and, and just, um, you know, enjoy spending that time in that locker room and then, you know, just going out there and competing together and, and all that. So I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, you know, remember my time in Rancho, I loved it there. And then through the minor leagues, it, it, it obviously becomes more serious because of what's on the line yeah. and just kind of how cutthroat the business is and all that. But at the end of the day, like I said, man, we're just big kids playing a sport for a living and, and loving it. What time do you guys have to get there for a, a 7 p.m. start? Because I remember the Quakes would get there around, I think, 1, 2. They'd get there early. Everyone's a little different, you know. Um, the Yasiel Puigs of the world may not necessarily show up that early. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, so, um, most guys, you know, kind of maybe start trickling around 1 to 2.30. That's insane. You know, or so. it, it just depends on on what you're doing that day or, or if you got to get some extra work in and all that stuff, you know, it just depends if we got back from a long road trip or anything, it can vary. Yeah. Speaking behind the scenes, I think the biggest thing that shocked me was the clubhouse manager. I don't know if you remember Casey or if he was there when you were there. Yeah. Casey was not there when I was there, but I have, I've met Casey. Yeah. Yeah. He would be there until like two, three in the morning, like doing laundry, cleaning the clubhouse. Like it was, it was insane. It blew me away. Is there, what do you think the oh, most, man underappreciated job in baseball is that like fans don't really think about yeah i mean the the clubby in general you know we're calling a clubby the guy that takes care of the locker room the guy that does the laundry and um you know just kind of handles some in and out things i mean i know that at the end of the day you know they're getting to travel around with the big league team and and um you know and, and catch bullpens for some of the greatest pitchers in the world and that kind of stuff is is probably a lot of fun but you know, they are with families and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, I got a little bit of a cliche one. What are your guys' and, you know, you yours and the rest of the team's attitude heading into 2019 after coming so close to the World Series in back-to-back years? Yeah, great question. You know, I think that at the end of the day, man, we, we got kind of the core group of guys back, um, you know, for really maybe one or two real good runs with the guys that, you know, we started at least my rookie year in 16, which are the 
Justin Turner's and the Kershaw's and the Kenley Jansen's and the Root Hill. And, um, you know, this group, this core has a chance to be good for another couple of years. But heading into this year specifically, um, you know, to, to come that close and lose twice is, is really tough. And, you know, I think that we got just an unbelievable locker room of talent and guys that are still hungry to go out and keep winning. And, uh, you know, when you just look up and down our roster, we just know that we're too good not to um, make another run. So I think yeah, that, you yeah, know, definitely. guys are, are anxious to show up and, and get after it and, you know, ready to grind through another 162. <laughs> I heard him for a split second. <laughs> oh, can you hear me now? I can T-Mobile hey. sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll just stay here. I don't, I, I started kind of walking around my apartment, but I, I'll stay here. Okay. Maybe that will help. <laughs> All right, we're, I got one last thing for you, and then you know, then then we're done. <laughs> so yeah, no problem. Man. I have this. Uh, I have this like MLB PR 101. I think someone in the MLB should hire me for this. I got the best idea. I wanted to get your input on it. So you know, everyone's yeah. talking about Mad Bum doing the home run derby. You know, Jake Arrieta at one point, you know, telling the pitchers to do the home run derby. What if every year, you know, it could be the day before the home run derby, maybe the afternoon before the home run derby. We do a pitcher home run derby, but with aluminum bats. <laughs> maybe no show. Oh, maybe, man. But... <laughs> <laughs> aluminum bat pitcher home run derby. Do you think that'd be a sell? I think it'd be great, man. That's what people in the seats. I want to exactly. see it. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some. So before the home run derby this year, there's some high school kids out there that have, you know, won some competitions and whatnot and were competing for, you know, high school home run derby champion. And they had metal bats and they were hitting just missiles into the stadium. I mean, you know, into the seats. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to think there's some pitchers around that could that could do that. I mean, heck, I think back to college, some of the bats we used before BB core stuff. If you could bring those back, oh yeah, and let us uh, <laughs> let us just take some G hacks. I bet uh, I bet some people would like to come out and see that. I mean, I've seen I've seen Bumgarner hit some balls pretty long way, so I'd, yeah. uh, I might even show up and watch. <laughs> how many? That's a good idea. How many home runs can you hit with an aluminum bat in the home run derby? Just one round. Oh man. I'm, I wouldn't be very impressive. I'm more of a uh, blooper over the second baseman kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, with an aluminum bat, I could maybe turn and burn and get a couple out of there. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be the uh, highlight of the show. I'm pretty confident about that. It's so strange, too, because you look at a lot of these pitchers like Kershaw, and I'm sure you, too, in high school, you guys just absolutely demolished. And then it's like you stop working on it, and it's like all of a sudden you face these big leaguers, and it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, not to contradict you, but I only had one varsity at bat in my high school baseball career, so I'm not. Oh, wow. uh, I've never been known for my hitting. I was I was even pinch hit for as a high schooler, so that shows you how good I was. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, you still <laughs> but, have more varsity yeah. bats than I do. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> but man, there's there are guys that are 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 very good, but man, obviously, big league pitching is is as good as it gets, and it doesn't matter how good you were at 18. Um, you're you're going to struggle to put the bat on the ball in the big leagues. I can tell you that. Yeah. 100 pitches. How many do you think I can make contact with? Man, you know, I've never seen your swing, but uh, I'll send you I, my I highlight say, reel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hit me with that and I'll get back to you. But just uh, just a guess, I'd say about uh, – I'd give the over-under like seven and a half. 
Oh, okay. I'm betting the under. <laughs> Taking the under on that. Yeah, I think you could at least uh, hit some hit some dinkers back to the pitcher or something. I'll give you that. I faced in little league when it was the 40 foot. We faced a kid who threw like 75, 80. He actually got drafted by the Padres, Reggie Lawson, and yeah. Tyler, my co-host. He hit he hit it off the fence off of him. So that's kind of like a 95. Hey, fastball. I basically hit a professional baseball pitcher. Claim to fame, man. Nice job. Yeah, I was when the little league world series comes on and they always have that kid that's on like 72 and it's like equal to a hundred in the major leagues or whatever. Yeah, I always, uh, I always think that's pretty funny, but it is true. I remember being that age and being scared of the kid that could throw 70. Oh yeah. <laughs> but if you got to hit off them, you go back and tell everybody. All right. All right, Ross. Well, uh, is there anything you wanted to plug anything you wanted to bring up before we let you go or no, not at all, man. I'm good. All righty. Well, thank you for the interview, my man. Yeah, thank you guys, man. I appreciate y'all having me. That was fun. Uh, yeah, I hope you had fun. That's our goal. <laughs> no, I did for sure. Make sure and uh, send it to me so I can uh, listen to it and, and uh, spread it around. Yeah, absolutely, right, absolutely. Uh, if you want to, you know, tell any of your teammates to hop on, you know, we're more than welcome. Uh, <laughs> nah, yeah, for nah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to have you network for us. All right, Ross, thank you. Yeah, buddy. Y'all take it easy. Hey, welcome back to Within the Lines. I hope you guys enjoyed that Ross Tripling interview. We have a little bit of personal talk at the end of this, not fully shooting the shit, but just a little bit things that have gone on the last week, probably should be like 10, 15 minutes. And then, you know, hopefully end your drive to wherever you're going if you're listening to this. So over the last week, we both went to the movies with our lovely girlfriends and we both saw two different movies. Tyler, what movie did you see? You saw it before me, so I'll let you describe your experience first. <laughs> I went and saw Glass this weekend and yes. uh, I've... I went in, I'd never watched Unbreakable. I knew what it was. I looked some stuff up about it, but I've never seen it. I saw Split. Thought that was a really good movie. I'm too scared to see it. Seriously? Yeah, I don't like scary movies. <laughs> it was another M. Night Shyamalan movie. Be, you know, he's known for his twist endings and stuff. And Yeah. You know, he's had some good movies, some really bad ones. But the reviews weren't that good for it, um, so I didn't go in with that high of expectations. And I thought it was actually okay for not having high expectations. I thought it played out pretty good. Yeah, I heard bad things about it from other people so it it's by far not a good movie worse than split right oh well if you well, say yeah, it's no, not split, a good movie split was good i enjoyed yeah. split this one so unbreakable i believe is bruce willis's movie and he's the main person yeah split was uh, mcavoy mcavoy and then this one the main character really ends up being samuel l jackson you don't see him for a good chunk of the beginning of the movie but then through the end of it it's like you know the villain is the main guy well wasn't samuel l jackson in unbreakable he was, but I believe Unbreakable was more about Bruce Willis. Oh, okay. This one, it had like Bruce Willis in the beginning and the split guy in the beginning. And then the whole end of the movie was carried by Samuel L. Jackson. How was it obvious that it, they should have been together? Or did they just like throw these two movies together? I don't understand. I thought they were based off books, but I don't know if I'm well, misinformed in that. Are we doing spoilers here? Um, No. Yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> beginning of the movie is... Uh, unbreakable dude Bruce Willis you see him and he goes out on nightly runs basically where he looks for bad guys he's yeah. got his son at home on a computer radio you know superhero shit um, just don't spoil the end yeah there's girls in a building right and they're kidnapped and the split dude what's doing what he did in the split movie where he's kidnapping these girls he's gonna kill them whatever mm -hmm. Bruce Willis runs into the split guy on the street looking for these girls Finds out it's him, goes and rescues the girls, and then they fight, and the cops catch both of them. Oh. And then they get dragged, dragged to, an, like, an insane asylum type thing. Yeah. Mr. Glass is there. That's a little bit of, like, a uh, 
like an MCU little M. Night Shyamalan you. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, oh, I had this one movie. I had this other movie. Let's just put them together. Well, that's exactly what happened because Split, it had nothing to do with Unbreakable's characters or anything like that until the yeah. post-credit scene where they show Bruce Willis sitting there at like a coffee shop or something, seeing it on the TV. That was the only thing that tied it together until this movie. I mean, that's like, you know, Will Ferrell doing a movie and then at the end credit you see like Ron Burgundy or whatever like interact or something and it's like, oh, we're, <laughs> this is a series now, yeah. you know? That's basically what he did. He just chose to do it. Um, it was good. It had it dragged in the middle a little bit, but looking back on it, like it, there was like this plan going on throughout the thing because Mr. Glass is supposed to be a genius. Yeah. Um, it was good. It dragged a little bit. The ending was, it was pretty good. And then there's, you can expect a classic M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end where it's like, oh shit. Okay. I've, without I think spoiling it. The only M. Night Shyamalan movie I've seen, and I could be wrong, I've probably seen some without knowing, but the only one that comes to mind is um, Signs. I've seen signs and I don't has, remember the twist. It was like water or something. Or the stupidest thing ever. Yeah, it was stupid. The that's thing why that's that in movie, the atmosphere. That, that's why that thing was movie was like rated, rated poorly. Yeah, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. I never saw the Sixth Sense. I've never seen. I know there was like one really really bad one that released like when we were in high school or right before high school. Yeah, the Sixth Sense. I think Mark the Wahlberg. Twist. Is Mark Maybe? Wahlberg in an next one know. movie? I don't know. The Sixth Sense. It was like oh he was dead the whole movie or whatever. That was the twist. Thanks for ruining it for me. It's been out forever. I don't care. Thanks, Ty. We already called spoiler alert. For Glass, not for <laughs> The Sixth Sense, which I planned on watching after we recorded this okay. podcast. I apologize. Uh, I went and saw a different movie, a movie that's been out for a while, Aquaman. You know, I thought it was fitting, you know, since we talk about superheroes, I should probably go see the superhero movie that's out right now. That's my bad. Yeah, Tyler hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> um, First impressions, when I left the theater, I was like, oh, it was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. You know, I think... A lot of people go into DC movies with their guard up thinking it's going to be terrible. And I think sometimes that could be a little unfair to the movies themselves. You know, they could still be enjoyable. They might not be critically great, but they can still be enjoyable. I enjoyed it. You know, I liked it. Uh, Aquaman looked like a piece of corn on the cob when he had a suit on. It was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> it was good. Jason Momoa did really, really good. I thought he did really, really good in his role. I think his acting was good. I think he they picked the perfect guy for Aquaman. But... As I've kind of sat on the movie, I've realized the kind of bad things about it. Right off the bat, the writing was so predictable. Like, not even, like, in the sense of the movie itself, even though the movie itself was kind of predictable. Just, like, the lines they said were so corny, man. So, like... (laughs) Straight out of a comic book. Like, I leaned over to Riley, like, four or five times and finished their sentence for them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, one of them, okay, it was, like, Atlantis needs has always had a king. And I looked at Riley, I was like, but now they need a hero or something like that. I think that was in the trailer, but yeah. I didn't see the trailer. I didn't see the trailer. (laughs) So, and like, it was just a lot of stuff like that. A lot of stuff like that. And like, there was supposed to be this huge twist. I don't want to spoil the movie for you. And Riley called it before it happened. And I'm like, (laughs) when she called it, I was like, yeah, that's going to happen. They had a lot of, they had a huge logic gap. They had, I thought, two logic gaps. They took a flare underwater. I since find out they make underwater flares. That's my bad, Aquaman. That's why we do research. Um, one of them was they were in like this middle. They were in the the middle of the Sahara looking for something, and they were like in this cave in the Sahara that they like fell into quicksand. Like it was like hidden. And I don't want to give. I'm not trying to give any key plot points away. And then they find the clue to where they need to go next, and then the screen goes black. I think they might have shown a scene with like the bad guys, you know, talking or whatever. And then it just cuts to them at that place in Italy. So they went from the Sahara Desert to Italy with literally no explanation how they got there. (laughs) 
<laughs> how they got there at all. It was like they're in the Sahara and then they go to Italy and they jump off the back of the truck and Aquaman like taps the top of the truck twice to say like thank you and that's it. And you're saying they fell like into a cave basically. Yeah, and the jokes <laughs> before they fell into the cave was Aquaman's like dude, we're in the middle of nowhere. What are you doing? You, we don't know where we're going. We're never going to get out of this. And then they go all the way to Venice, Italy in what was had to have been a day based on what was going with the rest of the plots. <laughs> they're superheroes, don't question it. But they're water superheroes. Yeah. They're not land superheroes. <laughs> the girl was literally in a plane and she was like all sick and scared because she was in a plane. Like Oh my. Dude, it made no sense. And I was just like, how did they get there? Like <laughs> how and then like this whole little journey they did, it kinda like they were trying to find Poseidon well not Poseidon, it was like Atlan was his name, like the original Atlas Atlantis. They were trying to find his uh Trident? Trident. But, like, the the whole... They could have avoided that whole, like, little subplot. They could have... Because where they found the Trident was, like, somewhere they already referenced earlier in the movie. I don't want to give anything away. And it was, like, the whole point of the scavenger hunt was, like, it seemed pointless. It honestly did. It seemed like they were just trying to fill time and give them... Because there was, like, a B, a B villain, I guess I would say, that they set up for the next movie to be the villain. Mm-hmm. And it, that little side quest kind of gave Aquaman you know how like when the superhero loses they have to fight like the mini boss and then they fight yeah. he was like the mini boss <laughs> so but like stage one <laughs> like I said it was really predictable writing and like you kind of knew what was going to happen before it happened and but it was good I mean I enjoyed it I laughed I think once do you think it's going to get a best picture nod oh I don't know man <laughs> I, I, I mean, it should man I mean corn on the cob dude that was so funny that was the funniest part of the movie bad. He, it didn't even look bad have you seen what he looks like in the Aquaman I, I saw a quick trailer but it, I didn't see a lot is it like his full comic book like orange suit and everything but... it's yellow <laughs> it looks like the legit Aquaman suit I'll give him that like it's not a bad suit he just looks like corn on the cob <laughs> he, that's all bad here's a picture he looks uh, I can't turn my laptop, but yeah, I can. He looks like corn on the cob, oh, does he Lord, not? He does. <laughs> like he's got the yellow top, and then he has like the arm parts on his gr- the green arm parts like stick out like a little corn on the cob holder. Oh, like, oh my, it's it's fucking hilarious too. Like it's it reminds me of Into the Spider Verse where the pig like smashed that glass in that one scene. If you haven't seen it, oh my god, dude, I was laughing for ten minutes after that, <laughs> and no one else in the theater was laughing. So, oh, I mean, it was okay. Bad. I'd see it. I don't know if I'd go to the movies to see it, but I would definitely see it if you like superhero movies. It's not a stay away. Yeah. Same thing with Glass. I think and it was a good movie. It was a nice little action movie, but nothing amazing. Yeah. And then uh, some more personal stuff. Oh, Parker's whining. I don't know if you guys can hear that. We got some more CSGO updates. You know, we talk about gaming. There's not really much going on in the gaming world besides us playing CSGO, Counter-Strike Go, Online Shooter. Last week, we got Tyler's little rant about how he got banned for mm. doing too good. Uh, what happened was Tyler got unbanned, and they didn't even rank him yet. Yeah, it was just it was for no reason. Just just a slap on the wrist. So I got some beef still. Uh, we've gotten a lot better. We had we both have had some really good games with like more than 20 kills. That's a lot in Counter-Strike. Carried a couple um, of games. I got an ar- a couple arguments with the kid. We ran into this pickle kid today who was eating a pickle on his mic. It was hilarious. And then we kicked him because it got annoying very quick. Really funny to start with. And he just kept doing it. Yeah. It was one of those jokes that was funny at first. And then it just like wasn't funny anymore. Got to watch out for those 12 year olds. Um, but the biggest thing is I packed, I cased a knife. And if you don't know what that means in Counter-Strike, they have skins. They're like little cool camel designs for your guns. And the rarest thing to get is a knife. 
and knives will sell up to like a thousand dollars like they're dummy expensive like real money like people sell these on a market and people actually spend real money, money dollars yeah not like farmville coins like you can take the money out of your steam account and transfer it into your bank account real money my knife wasn't a thousand dollars it was the cheapest knife i think you could possibly get <laughs> but it was 74 dollars for so, a two dollar and fifty cent case free money playing games yeah i'm not, basically like ninja i'm not play to play <laughs> I, i'm not cashing out i'm just gonna buy more skins with it i'm not gonna spend any more money but you should have heard me when I got that knife, Tyler. What did it sound like when it I sound like you had knife? a heart attack? Can you give us a little reenaction? <laughs> I thought you choked on something because you couldn't talk. And then all the people who called me poor because I don't talk when we play, I just show them my knife and I flip it in my fingers because they they can't. It's got flex on the haters a little bit. Yeah, so that's a nice little update I have. But besides that, Tyler, anything new on Counter Strike for you? Anything new gaming at all? Um, I know there's a thing with Mortal Kombat where they have a new character that can control the clock. Yeah, we talked about Mortal Kombat. I mean, yeah, that's all that's a, really that's going all on. There is there is nothing new really. I mean, I heard FIFA changed like their shooting technique or I did te- see that. something today, but like I don't play shots FIFA anymore. Way harder. Yeah, so I don't know. There's like nothing going on in gaming. That's why we're playing Counter Strike, a game that's like <laughs> ten million years old. So, um, yeah, that was about all I had. Yeah, I don't think we got anything else for you guys this week. Hopefully, you enjoyed the Stripling uh, interview. Stripling, if you're still listening to this, thank you for the interview once again. Real fun time. Uh, like we said, you know, we'll definitely accept if any Dodger players want to get on. You know, you don't Hit have to the tell homes. them. We'll travel. L.A. We're close by. Luxury box. Maybe some Dodger tickets. Sweet. Yeah, Dodger tickets. <laughs> Free Dodger dogs, you know. Uh, all right, guys. So uh, we do. We actually have our intro song for you now, don't we, Ty? Huh? Our outro song. We have our outro song ready for everyone, right? Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> that's so stupid we need an we need an outro song enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.